0: Hey everyone and welcome back to the News Agent Podcast. I'm Andrea Warmington, Senior Content Manager at Goodlord and today we have a new voice from Goodlord on the podcast, our Director of Sales, Costas Francesco. He is joined by Neil Baldock, Director of Charles David Casson, and Founder of the FIA HMO Network to talk about why HMOs are a growth opportunity for letting agents. Let's get into it.
1: I'm Costas Francescu. I'm sales director here at Good Lord, uh, and today I am joined by Neil Bulldock. We're going to spend this morning diving into the world of HMOs. Um, we're going to be looking in particular at the key differences between managing a HMO and a traditional let. We're also going to cover off what legislation and licensing requirements you need to be aware of, um, and which ones should be a key focus within your business if it's something you're either doing today or you're looking to introduce. We're also going to cover some of the myths around HMOs, Uh, some of you might be scared off in the past, we'll see whether or not we can put those those fears uh, to bed, Uh, and also what the future might look like uh, from uh, uh, an industry advocate. We have in our midst uh, a champion of the HMO sector, I like to call him Neil, uh, and uh, he'll be sharing tips on how he's running a successful HMO business in his own right, um, so he, he does what it says on the tin uh, and also uh, delving a little bit more into what technology suppliers and anything other tips that he can give us on how to make that successful. So uh, uh, Neil, tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Yeah. Hi, Costas. Um, so my name Neil. I am uh, one of the directors of Charles David Casson, which is a, uh, a sales and letting agency and HMO management company uh, based in Chelmsford. But we cover the whole of Essex. Uh, we've also now got, uh, self employed property partners kind of expanding out from us as well. Uh, and I've also founded something called the, um, the FIA HMO network because I've been managing HMOs for about 10 years now and there's not been a a sort of an industry body or a a collaborative group to represent HMO managers Um, and so I want to bring that to the industry. Thank you for making time today really
1: appreciate uh, having a conversation with you this morning. Well thank you very much for having me on yeah lovely to be chatting to you guys. Fantastic. Uh, so the burning question, I'm sure, is everybody's head to kick us off. Is um, which of these did you do first uh, this week, then Neil? Was it uh, was it the pub? Was it the gym? Or
2: was it the hairdresser?
1: <laughs>
2: um, well, you'll be oh, sorry. I'm delighted to uh, have found out that we were doing a podcast, not a webinar today, because I've done none of those three, mate. So the haircut is uh, a little bit wild. That's coming next Monday. Still haven't had a pint in a pub. Would you believe it? So um, that's going to happen. There's a pub about 20 yards from my office as well. So at some point I'm getting down there and uh, the gym, well, that's still to be seen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, for me myself, I've I've thought about the gym. Um, I would love to get
1: to the pub. Um, hairdresser wise uh, you know it it can wait another few weeks it's not the end of the world but fantastic well once again thanks for coming today and thanks for sharing your tips uh, with uh, other other people out there with us let's kick off for anyone out there that might still not know what HMO is would you like just give us a brief intro into uh, what is a HMO
2: yeah absolutely so the the legal definition of an HMO is um, a house that's shared by three or more people Uh, That are from more than one household. So, um, and that they share facilities like kitchens and bathrooms. So, it can be a simple flat share. The layman's term for an HMO is is a house share, basically. Um, But the key thing is where there's three or more people uh, and they're not from one household. So, if you know, a boyfriend and girlfriend and one mate wanted to rent a flat, that would fall into the world of HMOs. And likewise, the, the typical HMOs that people know more about are the larger ones where you've got five or six people sharing a house.
1: Fantastic. Are uh, there uh, different varieties of HMOs? Is there a super HMO?
2: Yeah, so there are. I mean, there's uh, there's anything from, i say, three people sharing right up to, uh, we, we do speak to developers now who um, there's not really, I mean, The definition of a large HMO, which is where licensing comes in, and we'll talk about that later, is five or more rooms. But um, I guess, in my opinion, a super HMO would be like over 10 bedrooms, basically. Uh, But we are starting to talk to a lot of developers who are coming into this now where they're converting commercial buildings and starting to think about putting HMO and co-living spaces into these buildings um, on a large scale, you know, sort of 20, 30 bedrooms. Um so I'd say that would be what I would call a super HMO.
1: Wow, okay. and is that is that something that's um is that is like that's quite new over is that something due to covid that where people have changed their business model or is that something that's just a, a growth opportunity now?
2: Yeah, I think it's just a growth opportunity really. I mean um HMOs have been around for a long time. They've historically got a bad reputation, but just the way the housing market's gone, there is a need for shared accommodation for for, for lots of different sectors, but particularly for professionals, young professionals is, is where we kind of specialise. And so yeah, developers have got into it because they they realise it's a way to take a property and maximise the revenue from it, really squeeze the juice, I guess, out of the out of the investment. Cool. so
1: so as somebody who's obviously looks at the whole of market from a, from your accidental landlord to your professional landlord to your large corporate um, what are the key differences that you find uh, in terms of uh, uh, you know, managing a, a normal property and uh, versus an HMO but also differences between managing a an accidental landlord and uh, a professional corporation.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, the difference between managing a, like a single let um, normal tenancy and an HMO really is that with the single lets, you've got one person or one family or one couple or whatever it may be to deal with. And you've got all the legislation that goes along with that. When you're managing an HMO, you've got all of that still to do, but you've also got extra legislation to be aware of and managing and also um relationship management that is the biggest thing i uh, i talk to people about when we're talking about hmo management is it's not just the the, the sort of the run of the mill day-to-day property management it's also relationship management you know we're taking five six seven people putting them all in one house together asking them to share bathrooms and kitchens and be respectful of each other and you know that is a dynamic then that is a dynamic that has to be has to be managed because they don't all know each other you know you can get hmos whereby you get a group of sharers and they do know each other, and that's a bit different but your your kind of standard hmos where we're renting it out by the room relationship management is a massive piece of it because you have to get involved in the kind of squabbles between the tenants and sometimes you know without being disrespectful to tenants you have to teach them. To be adults and how to live together because it, it may be that this is their first place they're going to live outside of their parents house and they don't know how to necessarily interact with other people so there is a bit of a bit of mothering i guess sometimes that we have to do and the other thing is it's almost hmo management, a little bit in between lettings and block management or sort of managing leasehold properties because we're now dealing with communal areas as well as the actual tenancy so we've got to keep on top of making sure the communal areas are sorted out and cleaned and the gardening's done um, and people aren't leaving bikes in the hallways for fire risks and health and safety and that kind of stuff so there's just a lot more um, legislation regulations and management time required to keep on top of it before we get on to the
1: regulation so you, you know one big tip there is obviously you've mentioned already is relationships and relationship management so if you're if you're a letting agent that might be might have tripped over a few HMOs for now or one that actually doesn't get involved in the HMOs? Any other tips or any other things they need to think about if if a HMO is the direction they want to take their business in?
2: Yeah, I think for me, I think HMOs are not to be toyed around with. So you're either going to do it or don't do it. It's not something to say, oh, I'll just manage one alongside the rest of my portfolio uh, because it will distract you and you won't get to know enough about it you need to really go into HMO management and learn all about it. Um, because if it's systemized and you've got the technology in, in place and you've got all your systems and processes and everything like that set up for it, then it's not actually too difficult. Um, but, yeah, the reality is there is more work involved. so You have to be kind of set up for it. So, you know, like, for instance, all our housemates get a set of house rules. Sounds silly, but I'm talking about mothering people. Um, how can you expect... You know, it sounds weird, but like, how can we expect people to know what we expect of them if we haven't told them? So we give them a set of house rules and then they have to abide by those. And that's sort of like our Bible for the house is, you know, this happens at this time and you mustn't do that after this time and things like that, because you need to have those kind of rules in place. And again, if you're only doing one of these, you're probably not going to learn enough about it to know, well, if I don't put that in place, this might not go too well.
1: I'm sold. I think I might change my house into a HMO and send you, my four, <laughs> send you my four kids. Just give you back four uh, well-organized people. That'd be great. Uh, so, uh, if I'm an agent though, uh, why should I be thinking about HMOs? You know, is there growth? How can you How can you persuade me that this is an investment I should be making into my business? A change that I should think be thinking about.
2: Yeah, definitely. So, like for me, we've been managing for about ten years in Chelmsford and across all of Essex now, and. We've been one of, if not own, the only, or at one point, one of two agents across the whole of Essex that would do it. There are more people coming into the market now, but you've got a lot less competition in that space because there's a lot of agents that just haven't caught up with the times and um, kind of don't know, you know, they still believe the historic kind of reputation of HMOs. Um, so one, you know, less competition in the space. Two, for me, the type of client we meet is a lot generally a more professional landlord. So um, it also probably won't be the first property they've invested in. So if we're dealing with people um, that are investing in HMOs, they're likely to have a portfolio behind them. Um, And it also opens up conversations with developers and just a different type of client that actually can then lead to other opportunities. So, so, some agents are, have been put, been put off by uh,
1: HMOs in the past. Uh, mm. The myth says it's hard work, it's it's not as rewarding as traditional tenancy. Um, you know, where do you sit on that? What, what are some of the myths that you may have heard or or things that you, you, yeah. you were surprised by?
2: Yeah, well, do you remember the programme Rising Damp with Rigsby? E- e- I-, I was just about old enough, yes. Just about old enough. Well, I wasn't old enough, but I still, <laughs> my, parents, my parents must have showed it to me. But um, when I do like a presentation on HMOs, I have a slide up with this guy Rigsby's face. And anyone who doesn't know Rising Dam should Google it and uh, and watch an episode. But it's a comedy about someone who took on a load of lodgers, basically. And the house was, as the title suggests, in a pretty poor state. And that is kind of the reputation that HMOs have. They're mostly known as student digs, DSS properties, people just taking lodgers on and not maintaining the properties, they just got a really bad reputation. And, um, you know, I do know there were, and maybe there still are HMOs out there like that. I once went to a property in um, Bishop Stortford when we had an office over there and uh, it had a big square lounge and the landlord had carved it up. He, he just literally carved it down the middle, one way, horizontally and vertically and created four rooms. And to get to the back rooms, you had to go through someone else's bedroom. Now, obviously, that is where bad reputations come from um, and it's completely unacceptable. And in these days and age where we've got more regulation and licensing, you wouldn't get away with it, quite rightly so. But that is really where the reputations come from. But if people start looking at HMOs now, they realise that the, the quality of, uh, of stock and the quality of development is, is really quite high. So um, it also attracts a, a high calibre of tenant.
1: And obviously if you if you're approaching um HMO landlord, professional landlords, the people that, you know, that make your life easier and, and make your tenants happy at the same time, um, what, what's the way what what you know what what tips have you got in terms of how to approach that marketplace, get your get your brand and name known?
2: Yeah, well I think it's a very much um it's quite easy to get known because you'll probably be one of the few agents doing it. Um Obviously, in in some of the bigger cities like Nottingham, Manchester, Birmingham, the the real big cities, there'll be more people doing it because you're talking about bigger areas. But in in most of the towns, you'll be one of a few, if if not the only agent, kind of looking to do it. So it's fairly easy to put that on your web page and actually then start showing up when people are Googling HMO management. A lot of the property investor networks and there's a lot of HMO Facebook groups, we run one called uh, the HMO Management Group, but there's, there's, there's a whole host of them out there. Um, so it's well worth kind of joining those, getting yourself known, answering questions, learning about what people are talking about. I think the thing with HMO management is you need to, you almost need to become an investor like or have an investor's mindset yourself. It's not just being the letting agent. You need to understand the property investment side of it why people are investing in these properties and what they want to get out of it and how to keep the costs under control and everything like that. But I think, you know, attending landlord networking events, getting involved in online forums um for property investors, that kind of thing is, is really how to get involved in it and just start telling people that you offer it. Fantastic. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Great. Right. Let's uh, let's delve into the uh, the murky world of legislation and licensing. Um, <laughs> so, so, what are the uh, what what, what are the key ones we need to be be aware of? So, if, you know, if I'm into this world, what are the ones that should be first and foremost?
2: Right. Should we talk about licensing and planning first of all? Yeah, to yeah. get that, and then we'll go to the legislation side. So, basically. Uh, we talked about what an HMO is three or more people from more than one household that share facilities but every what they call a large HMO in the country now needs to be licensed um, and that's five or more people so if you've got five or more rooms there it has to have a license no matter where it is in the country anymore and that used to be different but a couple of years ago it changed so any HMO's got to have a license if it's got five or more rooms then You've got to get planning permission if you want to have seven or more people living there. It's not about the rooms, it's about the amount of people. Um, And you have to get planning permission to change the use class of the property, basically, from a residential property into something that they call a, a sui generis, quite a fancy word, but uh, a Sweden area hmo and that changes the uh, the use class of the property um and then the other thing that agents need to be aware of which is again more in like your larger massive cities and university towns is something called article 4 um which is a a planning directive not a not a licensing criteria <clears throat> so some councils will introduce article 4 if the town or city is becoming overrun or overdeveloped with hmos um and that basically means you can't you can't build any more. So at, at the moment, <clears throat> unless you go to seven or more people, you can do it under per- permitted development. You can change a, a property to an HMO. But um, if you've got Article Four in the area, then uh, you would need to seek planning permission anyway. And, and how much
1: of um, how much of this being a, a successful for, for for the agent or the landlord is based on how you approach versus it's just a simple yes or no?
2: Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, you've got to set them up, right? So you've got to comply with all the the kind of the laws and the legislation around it in order to get your licence. So you can't just, like, decide you're going to rent a property out by five or six rooms and automatically get a licence. There's a lot of changes you have to make. So that brings me on to what you've got to comply with, which is basically something called... So every council has got its own local amenity standards. Um, which tells you minimum bedroom sizes, how much work space, like work surface space you need for how many tenants. Um, it's literally like the Bible of how to build an HMO. You've also got something called the Lacors Guide, L-A-C-O-R-S, uh, which is a fire safety document, and it covers all sorts, but one section of it covers HMOs, and that tells you what fire alarm detection, like smoke alarm system you have to have, um, Yeah, where you've got to have fire doors, that kind of thing. And then you've also, on top of the usual lettings legislation, you've got the HMO management regulations 2006, and that is kind of what what you have to do in order to be the manager of the property. So, yeah, that's all the kind of stuff that agents, if they want to get into HMO management, they need to have a little bit of uh, bedtime reading, I guess, and uh, <laughs> find out all about it so
1: so so it, it, on, yeah, if there was such a thing as a a typical month or a typical year quarter um, how often you know for every sort of 10 20 properties how often are you having to are you finding things that need to be done when taking on a new new portfolio
2: what is in like if someone brings us an HMO and says, yeah yeah i mean we do go visit them quite often and um uh, normally we're not finding that many cuz i guess the people that haven't done this this properly probably know that and won't won't come out to an agent right. so you'll generally get approached by people who are looking to invest in them have already invested in them but yes we do go and see some sometimes and we say well actually look you need to do X y and Z in order to upgrade this but now most of that should be really done because every' we're, we're, we're sort of two or three years on now from when the licensing was introduced. So it did, yeah, you know, it took a couple of years to get licenses granted because, as with everything, when legislation comes in, the local council haven't got the resources to kind of put it in place. But now we should, there shouldn't really be any HMOs in existence because the council would have shut them down if they're not, they're not kind of up to scratch. But, you know, people do go under the radar sometimes. And so,
1: so, it sounds like a little bit, a little bit hard work. It can be a little bit hard work. But what, what are the rewards? So, you know, from a financial perspective, how yeah. does, the, how, how do the rewards um, compare? Obviously, it's, it's an additional marketplace. So, it's adding to the revenue you can earn as a business. But how do the fees compare from managing a traditional let versus uh, managing a, a a five, six bed HMO for an agent?
2: Yeah, definitely. Well, it's, it's, it's definitely a. Uh a growth area like we said because you can charge more money for it and ultimately because we our business model is charging percentages of rent we collect the rental amounts are also higher because um yeah you might have a three bedroom or four bedroom semi-detached property that normally brings in 12 to 1500 pounds in rental income if someone converts that into an hmo it's likely to be bringing in two and a half to three thousand plus in revenue so obviously whatever percentage you're taking of higher rents is good anyway. But also, yeah, I mean, we, we would charge like a minimum of 12% to manage an HMO. Quite often it's more standard across the HMO world that it's sort of 15%, whereas obviously single lets, the standard is around 8 to 10%. So you can certainly charge more money for it. And the way to justify that when you're talking to clients is, Okay, look, we've, we've got to do all the normal management. We've then got to manage the relationships. We've got to be experts in fire safety, local amenity standards, licensing. All this stuff. You know, there's a lot of value you can add as an agent to to a property investor. Okay, so that so it's definitely definitely financially worthwhile then. Yes, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, hundred percent is. I think where it's probably not financially worthwhile is if you try it. If you try and do one in amongst your normal lettings business it will cause you problems and it will maybe upset the business but if you set up a department for it and you take it on or, or you know you dedicate yourself out i want to go into that that management world and um, then it's definitely lucrative because you are able to charge more money you, sh- you shared some tips with us earlier and i know that um
1: as, as as a business um you are helping a number of other agents in terms of growing their HMO portfolio and helping them uh, in, obviously overall you just increase the business. What are you seeing when, when you're going into these other businesses to support them and help them? What other mistakes are you seeing or what are you adding to them, helping them with that is making a big difference then moving forward?
2: Yeah, well, you know, we're just enabling. So we founded um, something called the FIA HMO network because out there, you know, we've got like Arla, we've got the NAEA, the Guild, We've got a lot of industry associations, but there aren't any for HMO managers. There are no kind of collaborative group for HMO managers. So that's why we've launched that. And really, we're just adding processes and systems and know-how, giving people some training, telling them what we've done in the past. We've got a lot of, obviously, supplier relationships, technology that we use. So we're kind of just helping them to get set up in the correct way so that they don't have that issue whereby... They try it and think, "Crumbs, this is a hell of a lot of work." You know, because we'll tell them, "We'll, you know, don't do that." We, we've got a proven model now that makes HMO management pretty straightforward. Hey, do you have an example? Is it is
1: that you know? Is there one thing? Yeah, you know, if you always walk into ten agents that have been sort of dabbling uh, with it um, and not really, not really focused on it, is is there one thing that comes out time and time again?
2: Yeah, I think lack of systems really and lack of lack of processes. So just dealing. De- being very reactive and just dealing with everything as it comes in, and not recognizing patterns, um, and then not putting systems in place to stop those things happening in the future. Um, and I guess that's probably the case across most businesses, though, really. Well, you, you've touched on technology a couple of times. So, uh, if it's if it's not too
1: rude uh, to, <laughs> to share to share too many of your secrets at this point, um, what, what you know, what technology are you using successfully to help you uh, in growing going outside of the business?
0: Yeah,
2: so um, of course, Good Lord, we use for both sides of our business and have done for a long time. I'll come back to Good Lord because I want to give you the uh, credit you deserve. But um, so we use we use PayProp for rent collection because it allows us to set up an HMO and then put budgets in for it for the utilities and managing those sort of finances and kind of things like that, um, and speeds up our rent collection because obviously if you've got Although you've got more revenue coming in, you've got it coming in from more people as well. So you've got more payment. You know, the, the volume of transactions is increasing. Um, we use uh, fixed flow to manage our maintenance. And that's very good because, again, we can have the property on there as set up as an HMO. So if multiple tenants um, report maintenance to us, we can group that together and so we don't get overrun with the same report of maintenance from so many people. Um, and, of course, good lord. And good lord... Again, it helps us because we can set the property up as an HMO, and so we're not having to input that property multiple times for each room. We can just set it up as one property with however many rooms it has and then allocate tenants to each of those rooms. Obviously, the digital signing is is great for us, especially with HMOs where we've got, uh, perhaps if we do have people on a sharers agreement, like a group of students or something like that, and they've got multiple guarantors as well, Um, It just speeds up the whole process for us in terms of not having to get six people plus six guarantors into our office to sign documents. Wherever those people are based in the country, we're still able to reference them, get their ID uploaded, do their rights to rent checks and get all their contracts signed on the one platform. So, yeah, certainly I I think anybody who doesn't, if you're going to start managing HMOs in a big way, um, you need to have those systems in place.
1: And those systems, those systems are obviously, they're helping you save time, but. What else are they doing? Is you know, the experience of the customers? What 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 other values yeah. and benefits do they bring?
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, one, the sign up process and the experience of the customer, I think, is great because through Good Lord, we can as soon as they've viewed the property, we can send them an application form, get them to sign our documents to pay their holding deposits. We can take that straight away. We know our compliance is taken care of because you know the how to rent guide, all the certificates, all our stuff that we have to cover under the Deregulation Act is all taken care of. On the good lord platform so we know every time we've never missed serving that um, which is obviously great peace of mind for us as an agent and then yeah the, the the kind of the onboarding of those tenants is a hell of a lot easier than having to take all of those pieces and do them individually and i've always said even you know take the hmos out of it but especially for those but Good Lord saves us, members of staff. There's no doubt about that. We would have to have more administrators in the business if we didn't have uh, have have the Good Lord platform taking care of that administration for us. Okay, but if there was one
1: last thing that you could uh, you could say to persuade an agent that this is something they should be looking at. What
2: would what would what would it be? Well, I th- yeah, I don't want to persuade people to do it. You've got, <laughs> I think you've got to. I think you've got to be in, in, into it, and you've got to want to do it in a big way. But if I said. it's it's done in the right way hmo management is probably nearly doubly as profitable as a single let business then that's the reason i'd be getting into it um and bearing in mind how we always want more stock and we're always fighting in the same fish pond for the same landlords how about being one of the only in the next pond dealing with bigger clients that are also leading to other opportunities and that's that's why we do it i always say to people someone once told me in business if you're if you're willing to do what no one else is willing to do then you'll probably end up uh doing better than them in the long run and i think that goes with hmo management not that many people are willing to manage them so if you are the the person that is you know g- good things will also come to you Okay. well neil thank you for your
1: time today that's been really helpful uh, i've definitely uh, learned a few bits that I didn't know uh, after a number of years uh, in the industry talked talk to so many agents. So thank you for that. It uh, made welcome. me a bit more professional. Uh, but uh, but also, uh, if anybody out there wants to know a little bit more, uh, Neil's quite easy to find, but also we're more than happy to pass on uh, your details. Uh, Neil's more, I understand, uh, from the conversation before, he's more than happy to reach out to anybody that may want to ask any, any more questions. So uh, thank you for that offer as well. Uh, really appreciate it. And, um, yeah, wish you
2: luck, and we'll catch up again very soon. Yeah, no, it's brilliant. Really nice to speak to you, Costa. Thank you.
0: Another big thank you to Neil for joining us and sharing his insights. If you want to get in touch with him, you'll find more information on his HMO consultancy at charlesdavidcassen.co.uk. We'll have the link for that in the show notes. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with another episode. But until then, do visit us at goodlaw.co slash newsagent for the latest news and data on the lettings industry. You'll find free eBooks, on-demand webinars, and a whole host of other resources there. See you soon.